You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 32. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we've got more time for what matters most. This week, we're combining elements from Work Clean by Dan Charnas, a book we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and some of my favorite tools into the ultimate time-blocking technique. We'll cover, like I said, my favorite tools. We'll cover immersive time and process time. We'll cover how I schedule my day at work. Plus, I've got a free download for you. I created a really simple day planner that I use all the time, and I'm sharing it with you for free. Let's get started. All right. Make work easier this week is using this idea of immersive and process time to block out your time throughout the day. So those sound a little more fancy than they need to, but they come from a book that we talked about back in episode 28, which was the four practical steps for planning for tomorrow. Work Clean is that book that covers productivity and organization, and it does it from a culinary perspective. And that's something that really speaks to me. But as I said a couple of episodes ago, you don't have to be in love with culinary to get an immense amount of value out of that book. So I highly recommend reading Work Clean. But we're going to take the book a little bit further this week, and we're going to talk about immersive time and process time and how I use those principles from his book from Dan Charnas's book, to schedule my day at work, and then also somewhat how I use it to schedule busy days in life, you know, outside of work, whether it's for this podcast or for my side hustle lightning or for errands and things like that. So let's talk about immersive time. And these two ideas, they don't overlap really. They're, they're two distinct sides of types of tasks. So immersive time is any time that requires you to be hands-on or tasks in which you need to immerse yourself. This is creative projects, projects in general, things that require your full attention are immersive tasks which require immersive time. Examples of this include if you're a blogger outlining a new post or drafting that post. If you're a podcaster like this, immersive tasks would include outlining the episode, doing exactly what I'm doing right now, recording the episode, editing, things like that. Anything that requires your full attention and you're using your creativity or things like that. Also, if you're a student, it's revising or editing or even drafting an essay. If you're in a corporate environment, some kind of a report, any kind of major project that you're working on, that's typically what's going to be considered immersive time. On the flip side is process time, and these are process tasks, and these are, according to Dan Charnas, any task that you can briefly start or maintain and then be hands-off. Those are the tasks that needs process time. And 
These typically take 15 minutes or less. And I should have said back under immersive time, those tasks are the ones that take more than 15 minutes. So that's a good kind of dividing line. But another way to think of process tasks is kind of those little teeny things that you typically think about, the little things like answering email or filing or voicemail or making little teeny changes to your website or asking colleagues quick questions, things like that. Those are all process tasks. And so how I handle process tasks is I keep a list of those underneath that header. What I used to do is I would try to put things into projects all over the place. I still do do projects, but those are for the high level ideas, the major project areas. If it's just a quick question that I have to ask a colleague, for instance, a couple of days ago at work, our At the school I work at, the back door has a swipe card panel on it, and we recently had a major flood in the building. We had some frigidly cold weather about a month and a half ago, and that caused the pipe to burst, which caused the school to flood, so we have all this construction going on, renovation in the building. And the construction crews modified our back door, and it caused the panel where you tap your swipe card to unlock the door, it caused it to stop working. And one of our maintenance guys came up to me and told me about this, and the person who's in charge of reaching out to that particular vendor wasn't in. And so before, what I would have done was I would have had to create a new project or try to find a place to house that task, where now... I just have a project in my app that I use called Todoist. You could just have this as a header or whatever in your planner, however you track your tasks. But I have a process tasks project. And anytime a task like this comes up, it goes right in there. So I put talk to Bill about swipe card. And that was all it needed. And then we'll talk about how I schedule my day. But just keeping track of the tasks is a huge benefit, keeping track of all of those process tasks that don't seem to really belong anywhere. They seem too little to track, things like that. Getting things done by David Allen, he would recommend that you just do them, anything that's five minutes or less. But a lot of times, there's there's gray area. That five to 15 minute range, I find a lot of tasks fall in that range. And in those cases, it's hard to decide what to do. And to just free my mind, I put everything like that under the process tasks header. So let's move into how I schedule my day, and this might make this help this to make a little bit more sense if it's been maybe a little theoretical. Again, we're talking about immersive tasks, those high-level projects, and then the process tasks that require 15 minutes or less of time, and you can be hands-off once you've kind of done little things like responding to an email. So my day, I work from 8 to 4. My day consists of, first, a 45-minute block of process time. This is a dedicated block that recurs on my calendar automatically every single day from 8 to 8.45. This is when I go in and knock out those process tasks. I've heard some kind of eat the frog, eat your frog ideas about you You find the thing that you want to do least and do that first. While that may work for some folks, I find that these little kind of niggling tasks that you that you just just pile up and they they all accrue and they're on your mind. If I can knock those out in the morning, that's the first thing and it's only a small chunk. It's not my whole super useful morning energy kind of time. I am using just 45 minutes to go in and bam 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 one after another. So it'll be I check my voicemail right then. 
I will process any emails that don't require a lot of information. So I'm our chief technology officer. I'll go in and check our ticket system to see, are there any kind of low-level tickets? I can just shoot you a tutorial video or something. I'll do all those kinds of things. So all of that stuff is getting done regularly. I don't have to worry about it. I have a place to put them when they come in. Anytime there's a process task, it goes right in the process tasks section of my Todoist app. And that's how I get those things done. So the first part of the day is 45 minutes of process time. You may find that 45 minutes is too much for you. You may find that you need to extend it by another 25, 30 minutes. Whatever that block is, you should do it first. At least this is what I found in my experience that works the best. Then from there, I time block specific immersive projects throughout the day. And I don't do it like process where I would just put immersive time on my calendar. I actually go in and write the project I'm going to be working on or even its next action on my calendar. So a couple of days ago, I knew that I had tech tickets to work on and then I was going to work on the school's website. And then we have a vault where we keep all of our technology and I needed to organize that. So I was deciding, all right, which projects am I going to work on? And I know that the tech tickets would be quick. So I did those. I had an hour for tech tickets. I always leave a half hour gap between every project just as a buffer time. I can use it as a break. I can use it as overflow. I find that doing that allows me to really stay on top of the time. Then I went and I did, I think, another hour and a half for web design. I was sitting there thinking about web design. Then I was at about lunchtime and I always put an hour break on for lunch. Even if I don't take the whole hour, if I'm not just doing whatever, if I, I may still be working, but I always put an hour break on it so I have the flexibility and it gives me kind of that loosey-goosey flexibility throughout my day. I can always adjust that block. Then after that, our one of our consultants came in and we came in and organized that vault and we were working in there for another block of time and we got everything done. I mean, the projects weren't necessarily finished, the, the tickets were, but I've still got the website, I've still got the vault to work on, but I had gotten through what I planned to get through. And so that those immersive projects were scheduled deliberately on my calendar and as I mentioned, the third thing that I always schedule is a 60-minute break in my work day, and I try to put that wherever I know my energy is going to be the lowest. Typically, that occurs between 1 and 2. That's usually my low point. Now, given that I'm off at 4, my day ends a little earlier. I used to work 9 to 5, and so definitely the 2 to 3 range would be my low point. But one to two now kind of is. That's when I will schedule my lunch and I will actually try to take some deliberate break time. And again, all of my immersive tasks have a half hour buffer at the end of them. So they're typically 90 minutes and then there's a 30 minute buffer time. And I will take breaks then. I will, you know, use the bathroom, grab something to drink, stand up and walk around. If I have questions for colleagues, I can do those there. If I'm not putting them in process tasks, things like that. And then finally, at the end of the day, every day, as I talked about in episode number 28, I schedule a 30-minute daily mise. And if you want the full details on that, definitely head to easiercast.com slash 28 and listen to all of the content about the daily mise. The quick version of it is it's a planning tool for getting tomorrow ready. This is actually the time when I sit down and schedule out the next day. I clean up my desk, I get everything in order, and then I schedule out the next day. So when I come in, I'm not wasting my process time 
doing planning. The planning is already done and I come in ready to go. This method has worked by far better than any other method that I have tried. I have tried, I can't even tell you how many different ways of tracking tasks, of getting things done. I've tried strictly getting things done, oddly enough. I have tried bullet journaling. I have tried Trello. I have tried Asana. I've tried just mind mapping, which is a technique we covered in last week's episode. And I've tried a whole number of things. But putting these things together, the immersive and process tasks, and really the process tasks were the fundamental kind of game changer for me, that allows me to keep track of tasks so much more efficiently and to ensure that I get them done and I don't have to worry about them throughout the day. And then the way I schedule has been so effective that my productivity has just shot through the roof. It's been crazy. So I hope that you give this a shot. Just as a quick recap, immersive time is any task that's requiring you to be more hands-on that you need to immerse yourself in. And typically they take more than 15 minutes. Process time is any task that you can quickly start or do really quick and then be hands off and those require 15 minutes or less and I keep a running list of those and then do them in my first block of time at the beginning of the day for 45 minutes and then my scheduling, I'm doing that process time and then specific immersive projects for 60 to 90 minutes, always with a 30 minute buffer at the end. I schedule a 60 minute deliberate break every day And then the last 30 minutes of my day is for my daily me's. And again, if you want more information on that, definitely head to episode 28, which is at easiercast.com slash 28, and I will cover all the specifics there. All right, on to make life easier. And this week, it's kind of a cheat make life easier because it overlaps a lot with make work easier, but I'm going to cover the tools that I use for time blocking. And I'm going to talk about three of them. And if you have any at the end of this, I would absolutely love to hear what you use and how you use it. You can email me podcast at easiercast.com and send me those tools. I, I always love hearing about new tools. So I'm really excited to share the ones that I use. So the first is... Uh, a tool that I use, this is how I got away with putting this under make life easier because I developed this really quick day planner. It's basically a spreadsheet. It's really simple. It's just got times along the left and then it gives you space at the top for planning for today and planning for tomorrow. I don't typically use tomorrow that much, but if it's for a weekend, maybe I'll plan both days really quick. But I developed this really fast and I use it. It works really well. I mean, it's just you go down to the time you want to start. So it starts at 5 a.m. I figured most folks aren't working between midnight and 5. So you can always go in and edit it once you make your own copy. And you can put whatever times you want that work for you. But I have it from 5 a.m. to midnight. And all you have to do is just go down the list at the time you want to start and start putting in the things that you want to do that day. It's broken down into 15-minute intervals, and you can just enter process tasks at 6 a.m. or whatever time you're going to get up if that's what you want to do. I have on Sundays, I have personal development that I do first, so this is giving me time to sit and actually hold a physical book, not you know listening to an audio book in the car or while cleaning. Sit and hold a physical book and make notes or listen to an audiobook and actually make notes. This is how I capture more of that information. So I've got that on my calendar. And then I have the this time where I'm working on the podcast. So I actually block those things out in this spreadsheet. And typically this spreadsheet is used to plan busy weekend days. And all I'll do is after I 
finish with it for this weekend. I'll just delete everything that's there and use it over again. It's super easy. It's really simple and I'm happy to share it with you. If you want to grab this day planner, you can just go to easiercast.com slash day planner and that will be right where you can grab it. Like I said, it's really simple. There are instructions already written into the day planner when you open it. It's in Google Drive because it's a Google spreadsheet. When you open it, there are directions there for how to make a copy of it because I'm just giving you the view link, but it's really simple. Once you open it, make sure you're logged into Google up in the top left corner, click file and then make a copy. And then it gives you the option to give it a name and put it where you want in your drive. And that's it. That'll create a copy for you and you've got it. You can go in and delete the text block that has the notes and then start using it. It's really simple. And if you want to see a screenshot, you can grab it in the show notes. Always those show notes links come at the end of the episode, but I will have one at easiercast.com slash day planner as well. So that's the first tool. I use that simple day planner at home and typically to plan my weekends. At work, 100% I use Microsoft Outlook. I am gonna talk about Google Calendar in a minute as well, but Outlook I find to be the most flexible, the most robust tool for planning on a time blocking method. You have to, in my opinion, when you're doing time blocking, you actually need to look at the view, week view or work week view, where you can see the times along the left and then you've got the blocks that you can schedule, not using month view where it's just a list of all of the things and that you're gonna do that day and the times they start. You need to be able to see and quickly edit the start and stop times by dragging the blocks around. So I find that Outlook for sure is the tool that works the best for this. If you have access to an Outlook calendar, I suggest this 100% for work. You can use it for home too, but I like to keep my tools separate and Google Calendar is my preferred tool for home and we'll talk about that in a second. But Outlook definitely for me works the best at work. And it also helps because if you need to schedule meetings and things, those also go on the calendar around my other blocks of time. And there are a few best practices that I found make the view the best for using it. The first is never, ever, ever, ever use the web-based tools if you can avoid it. The tools that are on, you know, in Outlook Online or Office 365 Online, frankly, they suck. They, they just don't offer the flexibility that you need. They drive me crazy. They miss a lot of even they're not the the simplest, like the basics are there. Of course, you can read your email and check your calendar, but being able to adjust the view or being able to quickly drag and drop stuff sometimes is just too much of a hassle. So always, if you have the ability, download the full app for your computer and use Outlook both for email and calendar from the app. First thing that I recommend to everyone is to do that. The second is you have the ability to set the interval along the left side as to how much time is going to be shown. And I should have said first, you should use work week view, either week view or work week view, because it shows with work week shows five days. And then with week view, it'll show all seven. And I don't at work, obviously don't have stuff scheduled on the weekends. So I just use work week and along the left, it lists all the times and you can, at least on windows, I know that Mac has up or that Microsoft has updated the app for Mac but you can, on Windows, right-click any of those times, and then in the, the context menu that opens, it'll show you all of the time intervals you can set it to, 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. I think it goes down five and even lower. And the time frame that I, the interval that I found most useful is 15 minutes. This is the right balance between being able to fit as much as you can on the screen so you don't have to scroll all over 
and in how much time you how much flexibility you have in dragging the entries onto your calendar. I always use this view like I click if I have a meeting that I want to schedule from 1 to 2:30, I click in the block at 1 and drag it down to 2:30 and then just type the name. And that's it. And then you can go in and invite people or whatever. But this is the fastest way. So again, those three things, the best practices are always use the full app, use workweek view, and set your interval to 15 minutes. That'll make it the best experience you can have with Outlook. Then Google Calendar, I've just recently started kind of more scheduling out my time as I found how useful this is outside of work. So I have the blocks for this podcast on a regular basis. I have blocks for my business called Lightning Technology, and I have blocks for personal stuff. And then, of course, all of the the meetings and appointments that I have are there too. But I'm using that calendar to start scheduling regular blocks and again, I'm using week view there. And one thing that's a, a bit of a quirk with Google Calendar that is the reason I, one of the reasons I don't move all of my personal stuff into Google Calendar, even for work, is because one of the things it doesn't allow you to do is when you draw out the block on your calendar, right? You have a meeting from 1 to 2.30. And then you decide, eh, I would prefer it to be from 1.30 to 2.30. You can't click on the top edge of the block and drag that down to shorten your meeting. You have to do two actions. This is going to sound really fussy, but for real, this, this kind of thing down to this level is what I use to make my decisions about tools. You have to, to fix this, you have to drag the meeting up from the bottom by 30 minutes and then adjust the whole block down to 1.30 to get it the way you want it. And that's extra work. I got to think about, oh, how much time do I want to take? It's a pain in the butt. So that's one thing I don't love. But overall, for scheduling tasks for personal stuff or for business stuff, it works. So that's another tool you can use. Just use it in week view. And that is, I think, the the best way you can go about scheduling or time blocking in your for your personal life. And as always, you know, I'm trying new things. I'm always testing this. This is the best method I've found for now. I'm sure that I'm going to continue to make tweaks, but this is the one that has worked for me for the longest and the most consistently. I've made tweaks here and there, of course. Just yesterday, I was adding time blocks to my personal calendar, but in general, the method has been the one that works the best. But if you have a technique or tools that you love that you find work amazing and I didn't cover them here or you have any kind of method that works, you think works better or differently from what I've laid out, I absolutely want to hear about it because I would love to continue updating my own method. If you can help me be more productive, that would be amazing. So feel free to email me at podcast at easiercast.com and we can get that conversation going. And that's it for episode number 32 of Easier. Remember to start time blocking your days, both at work and at home. And read Work Clean by Dan Charnas. That's an amazing book. I have a link to it in the show notes, which you can find at easiercast.com slash 32. Also, one last quick reminder, head over to easiercast.com slash day planner to download my free day planner tool. I use it all the time. It's super simple and I think you'll really like it. 
Do you have any tips, techniques, or tools for making life or work easier? If so, please email me at podcast at easiercast.com. I always love hearing from listeners. Or head over to the show notes to leave a comment. And again, that link is easiercast.com slash 32. Finally, if you know of anyone who would benefit from the tips I've covered in this episode or any episode, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully, every single share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.